Would you turn your Bible, please, to Zechariah chapter 4? Zechariah chapter 4. I'd like to read the first seven verses. Zechariah 4, verses 1 through 7. May we bow together in prayer. Lord, it's good to hear those Bibles turning. That's just wonderful. God bless you. Amen. May we pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of being back with God's great people here tonight. I thank you for these precious people. Lord, thou knowest the heartburn in my own soul. I stand before them. I feel like taking the shoes off my feet because the place I stand is holy ground. I thank you for these precious, precious people of God. Lord, I pray that you would give us tonight a greater love toward thee, toward one another. Fill our hearts with a spirit of revival, a spirit of expectancy, looking to thee to bring what we need. And tonight, may thy word touch hearts. Everybody who is hungry, everyone who is in need, everyone who has a problem, may we bring that like empty pitchers to a full fountain, expecting thy blessing and thy fullness. Should there be one person here tonight who is not saved, may he come to Jesus. And Lord, Lord stir up our heart of love and compassion for others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In Zechariah 4, in my Bible, that's on page 966. And the angel who talked with me came again and walked and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and its seven lamps on it and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top of it. And the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of it. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone of it with shoutings, crying, Grace! grace unto it. And I'm going to continue reading. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice, and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. 
Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the lampstand and upon the left side of it? And I answered again and said unto him, What are these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what they, these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. It's very, very tempting to me tonight to discuss this entire chapter in the light of its prophetic setting. And I think it would not do, it would not do for us to read that passage of Scripture and not read its, its utter fulfillment, its later fulfillment, in Revelation 11, verses 3, 4, and 5. And so I want you to turn there and look at this. Revelation 11, verses 3, 4, and 5. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. This has reference to the two witnesses during the tribulation period when the church is taken out. The 144,000 go out as Jewish evangelists and the two witnesses stand in Jerusalem and later are killed and then raised to life and the whole world sees it. Now, I feel impressed that this message should take a different direction. Although, in its prophetic context, what I'm going to say tonight is closely related to its utter fulfillment. The heart of this chapter is verse 6. Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You and I are not to wring our hands and worry and be anxious as to how God is going to take care of things in the end days or in the days right now. Certainly we live in crisis-filled days. And I would advise every one of us, day by day by day, in prayer, in Bible reading, to keep our eyes on the Mideast. As goes Israel, so goes God's time clock. Keep your eyes there. God is getting ready to do something. I learned this past week that already in the common market in, in Europe, this, this month they are meeting to lay the groundwork for a common cur currency in Europe. And you know what that'll do to the dollar? And it may force America to reevaluate even our present currency. And maybe we'll go to that same world currency. They already have the ability to make a credit card that will be one credit card for every individual in the entire world. And there's a huge computer built in Geneva 
There's a miniature computer similar to it built in St. Louis or one of the states, I think it's St. Louis or Kansas City. And already there is the ability to give a number to every individual in the earth. Yet I do not feel tonight that I want to go in that direction with this message. But that's part of it. And you can see how tempting it is for me to just go right on. But I feel like God has a verse right here for us as we stand here on, on March the 11th. Next Sunday is March 18th. The next Sunday is Miracle Day, March 24th. And that's the beginning of the Miracle Crusade when Jack Hazelwood will be here. And I want to lay on our hearts tonight what God says about power for revival. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And God was saying that through Zechariah. He was saying, remember that it's not what we do, it's what he does. It's not by our puny efforts, but it's by what God does, the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God has to have an outlet. Now, the Lord could move through the wind. The Lord could move through angels, and he has. God will get his will accomplished. But significantly and interestingly enough, the Scripture tells us that God's plan is men. And God's Holy Spirit works through men and women, through human vessels. Those of us who have been born again, saved, filled with the love of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we are his plan. We're his instruments. If a bus is going to have 60 or 70 or 80 on it, God isn't going to call the winds around there and make, blow those children on there. Our bus pastors go out and work and pray and work and pray and work and pray until they reach them. If we're going to see debts paid off at this church, then we pray and give and pray and give. And when we've given honestly before God and it still isn't enough, God may raise up some source in Florida, in California, in Europe, somewhere, and plump the money down if we're doing what God tells us to do so that we shouldn't worry as to where things are going to come from. God's going to take care of it all. But God has chosen us through whom to do it. At Skyview in Memphis, the church is about 20 years old, 22 years old, something like that. Today, this morning, they had a record attendance in Sunday school, 250. It was a blessing. They'd been running around 150. They'd never caught the vision of going out. The Skyview Academy has 1,100 students. They've built a school that's reaching hundreds of students. But until this week, until two weeks ago when the church got a prayer burden to do something, not just two weeks ago, it started a long time ago with the pastor in the heart of the pastor. And people began to pray. 
And some students began to pray. And God began to move in in an unusual way. The students there, not like our students, they had not visited, they had not witnessed, they didn't know what it meant, they didn't understand it. They never heard of it as far as their own lives are concerned until God began to move in and touch. As a matter of fact, the youth director in that church felt that the way to reach students, the way to reach anybody was to have a Bible study. And you have a Bible study and uh, get those students in the Word and they in turn will go out and get the other students. The only thing is it never did work. They'd have six or eight studying the Bible and they never said anything about witnessing, never said anything about going after lost people, and so nobody ever did. And then, this unusual pastor they have, Brother Rudy Fitz, some of you know him, he just came there about a year ago. He's been praying, asking God to do something. And he asked the church to pray. And Monday, I wasn't there Monday at chapel. They had a chapel program for the high school, seventh grade and up. And they prayed. And Brother Rudy challenged them to pray for their fellow students. And some of the students began to pray. God's Spirit began to move in. Wednesday, we had Marilyn Ford, who is the lady who was blind for so many years, and then just by miracle, just like that, God gave her her eyes back. And the doctor said she's still physically blind, but she can see. Some of you may have heard Marilyn Ford. She gave her testimony in chapel, and God moved upon the students. At the close of that chapel, we ask those who were willing to commit themselves to witnessing, to stand. Hundreds stood. We asked them to sign a card, put their name and address, their church on it, and to just write down there what their commitment was. Hundreds did that. There were probably six to seven hundred in that chapel program. But some didn't. Some remained seated. And we announced that those who remained seated could go back to their first period class. Those who had stood making this commitment, we wanted to talk with them just a moment. Well, those that left got very, very upset. They felt like they'd been put on the spot. They didn't understand. See, nothing like that had ever happened. They'd never even had an invitation in that chapel. And so they began to wonder and when chapel was over, the students were like that. And it began to give the students who wanted to witness an opportunity to begin to witness to the unsaved students. And little by little, Thursday, we had the first group of students meet to go out and visit, go out soul winning. Friday when we had chapel, all those students were back and when we gave the invitation, three to four hundred students came down the aisle. Many, many of them were saved. Many, many others committing themselves to Christian service and the work of the Lord. And revival spilled over into the church all week long. And God blessed in revival. I want to tell you, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The Spirit of Jesus moved upon people's hearts. God did a wonderful thing. And the same God 
that did that thing at Memphis is the same God in Bowling Green, in New York, in Miami, wherever we are. God is not limited, but sometimes we limit Him. He is unlimited. And yet God is limited. That's a paradox. When Jesus came to earth, He was the God of the whole universe, and yet He limited Himself and poured God into human flesh. And when Jesus walked about in the earth, He was limited by geographical boundaries. He got tired. He needed to eat. He was limited. Now, interestingly enough, God has chosen in this dispensation to limit Himself in the power of the Holy Spirit to work through individuals. He could use the wind. He could use angels. He could use tornadoes. He could use an earthquake. And of course, all of these things do point men. They awaken them. They arouse them. But God has chosen to do His work through a young man, a young woman, a boy, a girl, an adult here, an adult here. That's the way God has chosen to work. And if we will allow Him to operate through us, there is no limit to what God can do. How many of you believe that? Don't raise your hand. Just ask yourself in your heart. How many of you really believe it? Do we really believe that God is limitless? And yet God is limited. A paradox? Yes. God is limitless. And yet He has chosen to limit Himself to work through individuals. You and I as a church, you and I as individual Christians can have what we want. This is part of what Jesus meant when He said, Whatsoever thing you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. The first, if we're going to see God's power, it's going to have to come through prayer. Prayer is the mightiest force in the universe. You know about Frank Lubbock's experiment in prayer. He wrote the book called The Mightiest Force in the World. And in that book, he tells about going to New York. And he'd sit in a public conveyance or a subway or a streetcar or a bus and he would focus all of his attention, prayer attention, on some man, some woman, some person in that bus. And he would pray for him, making a triangle between himself, God, and that individual. Frank Lubbock said, without exception, every single time that person for whom he prayed, without him doing anything to strike up a conversation, that person for whom he prayed came by somehow, had eye contact, contact or physical contact with him, and he was able to give him a track or a witness because of prayer. Prayer is the mightiest force in this world, and you and I have just begun to tap the resources of God. I believe there's a relationship between prayer and mental telepathy. I believe prayer is creative energy, and when I pray for Mark, and I connect God, Mark, with God, something happens in his life. And this is what the Scripture says. This is exactly what the Word of God says. The Bible says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And he that seeketh shall find. 
And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and if we know that he heareth us, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. If you and I are going to get things in the earth for God, then we'll have to lay it down right now, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. And the way the Spirit operates is when He has somebody to operate through. And when He can operate through us, when we are available, and we say, here am I, Lord, pray through me, operate through me, work through me, use me, there is no end to what God can do and will do. Moses experienced this. God was about to be done with the people of Israel. And God said, Moses, I'm going to just destroy the people. And Moses said, Lord, these are your people. It's going to affect your name. Imagine Moses having the audacity to say that to God. That's what the Scripture says. He said, Lord, these are your people. This will affect your people, your name. Lord, blot my name out, but don't blot these people out. And God, for Moses' sake, heard his prayer. Elijah prayed. It didn't, didn't rain for three years. Then he came back and he said, Lord, send the rain. And James says he prayed again and the rain came. Hannah wanted a baby. And she was so distraught, she went to the temple. I don't know of any better place to go and pray, and I hope many of you are availing yourselves of the opportunity of going to our prayer room. And Hannah went to the prayer room, to the temple. And she got before God and she prayed for that child. And Eli came along. Eli had been in the work so long, he had seen so many things. Maybe his heart was a little bit hard and he came by and he thought she was drunk because she was moving her lips, but there was no voice coming out. He said, what do you want, woman? You drunk? And the woman said, I'm not drunk. I want a child. And if God will give me a child, I'll give it back to him. And Eli's heart was so moved, he joined her in prayer. And a year later, God sent Samuel into that home in response to prayer. Daniel prayed. He prayed, oh God, oh God, do something in this nation. He was in Babylon in a foreign land. And about two or three weeks later, the angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, the very moment you prayed, we heard you. God heard you in heaven. And God sent me, but the prince of Persia interrupted. He hindered your prayer. And I couldn't get through. But finally you kept praying and I got through. You say, what in the world does that mean? What kind of a fairy story is that? Read it. It's in the book of Daniel. The devil hinders prayers. And sometimes our prayers are hindered because of our lives being all confused and lack of concentration on the things of God and lack of having a spirit-filled life so the Holy Spirit can operate through us. And in response to Daniel's prayer, God sent that angel to tell Daniel when the Messiah would be born. And he told Daniel all kinds of things about the second coming of Jesus. He did that in response to this prayer. John Newton had a mother, and she prayed. 
She prayed for a boy when he was first born. When, she, when he was about seven or eight, she died. But all the prayers that had gone into that little boy those first seven years of his life. When John Newton was 10 or 11 or 12, he left home and he went out and became a seaman. He got on a ship going over to Africa and engaged himself in the slave traffic off Africa. One night he was in the ship. The ship was about to go down. John Newton's life was a wreck, a mess. He had left God out. He was not even saved. He had messed his life all up. Down in the hole of that ship, with a ship tossing around, threatening to go down in the Atlantic, John Newton called out to God. God heard his call, and the Lord came into John Newton's life and completely changed him. I believe in response to that mother's prayer those first seven years of his life, John Newton later on said there was no outside influence. It must have been God's prayer, the prayer of my mother. And he wrote that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was, I was blind, but now I see. Prayer power. You know, I'd like to challenge us to pray. I wish everyone here would take seriously the burden of prayer. And during these next, the last, the, the last few weeks of March, I think it would be a tremendous thing if, if we'd have people come and say, I will be a prayer partner. And I'm going to commit myself. every day and if you cannot meet with that individual personally you can pray over the telephone with them or you can meet them privately and if it's absolutely impossible to get together you can pray at the same hour in different locations but you'll pray for revival pray for people pray for individuals to be saved I believe more things are wrought by prayer than this world could ever imagine and God can bring a great upsurge of spiritual power in this place in response to prayer. I believe that. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Will you pray? Now prayer involves a vision. If it doesn't have a vision, you get sleepy when you pray. I won't ask you to lift your hands, but how many of you have ever gone to sleep praying? Or how many of you have ever had your mind confused while you were praying, you began to think of all kinds of other things, things you left undone, things you ought to do. You see, those are Satan's hindrances to your prayer. And so prayer has to have a vision. It has to be connected with God and then connecting God with something that needs to be accomplished in his name. Either praising him, that's prayer, Basically, prayer is asking and receiving. Praise is another thing. We need to praise Him, and we need to sing to Him. And in our prayer time, there's nothing wrong with spending a little while singing to Jesus and reading His Word. But prayer needs to have a vision. Lord, look at the 72,000 people that live in this city. And any given Sunday, 10 to 12,000 go to Sunday school. Lord, that's about, why, that's about 50 to 60,000 people in this city a vision. And, and then, Lord, 
There's Joel. There's Mary. There's, uh, there's Miss Smith. There's Miss Jones. There's, there's Mr. Uh, Mr. Hoopsicotic. <laughs> Somebody, you know, Lord, I want that person for Jesus. I've got to have them for the Lord. Prayer with a vision gets answered. We have to have a vision when we pray. A vision of seeing somebody rise from a nobody to a somebody for God. How many times have you prayed lately for a hard, hard person? Somebody that couldn't be saved unless God did it. How many times have we prayed lately for somebody that, that had no evidence of being anybody for God and yet God put them on your heart and you began to pray for that person? God will answer prayer. But it involves a vision of seeing that person as an individual for whom Christ died, somebody worth giving your time, your energy, your creativity, and then your ability, your willingness to go and let them know you're praying for them. Prayer involves clean living. It's hypocritical for us to pray if our lives do not line up with the Word of God. In Isaiah chapter 59, listen to this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. Clean living is involved in getting our prayers answered. If we're going to really see God move, then somebody's going to have to pay the price. Somebody's going to have to say, Lord, this is off limits for me, and this is off limits for me, and Lord, I want to do this just to honor you, because I love you. I love you. A guy that really loves a girl, he won't really be very much involved with any other girl. If he is, it shows that he doesn't really love that girl. It's some kind of an infatuation. Now, when you really love Jesus and your heart really gets right with him, the little tiny sins in our lives are going to become glaring things. And they'll become such great big gobs in our life that we'll see them, we'll be aware of them, and we'll want to turn away from them. And there'll be something that'll say inside of our heart, others may do this, but you cannot. Somebody else may get by with it, but I can't get by with it because God has dealt with my heart. And I, I just want to be a prayer warrior. Prayer involves a vision. Prayer involves clean living. And prayer involves implicit obedience to the Holy Spirit. Utter obedience to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may lead you to do strange things. One night years ago, my brother Roger and I were in a revival meeting in Owensboro. The service was over. We went back to the motel and couldn't sleep, and so we got in the car and drove around, and we just parked on the side street and prayed. We said, Lord, you must have some reason why you've taken sleep from us. It was about 11 or 12 o'clock at night, maybe a little bit later. And finally, we drove over to the train station. Now, they don't have any train station in Owensboro anymore, so you know it was a number of years ago. And we went in that train station. There was nobody there but the ticket agent. We went up to the ticket agent, just began to talk with him. 
And one of us said, uh, Sir, have you ever given your heart to Jesus? Immediately, tears came into his eyes. He said, that's a strange thing that you would ask me. He said, no, I never have. But I've wanted to, and today I ask God to send somebody to me to tell me how. And he said, I thought the whole day had passed and nobody was going to come. He said, would you tell me how to be saved? And right across that ticket agent, nobody coming in the ticket office, nobody coming in, that boy, that man, must have been 30 or 40 years old, gave his heart to Jesus. The Holy Spirit t took sleep from us. We could have taken a no-dose, I mean, a, I mean a dose pill, a sleeping pill, you know, or whatever you take, <laughs> and said, well, I'm going to pop a pill, go to sleep. Well, no, instead of that, get up and pray. Get up and read the Word. Get up and do what God tells you to do. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that has insomnia needs to go out and roam around town all night. <laughs> but I am saying we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, I was at the hospital here. And I came out of the hospital, and uh, there was a maintenance man sweeping the walk up there in that driveway. I, I was late for an appointment, and I started to go to my car, and God's Spirit seemed to say, Richard, you ought to talk to that man. Well, I said, Lord, I'm in a hurry. I, I must go. So I went over to get in my car, and the Holy Spirit said, Richard, you better go back. Go back and speak to him. And I said, Lord, I'll do it another time. He's here all the time, and I'm here almost every day. I'll come back. I'm late for an appointment. The Lord said, Richard, you go back. So I went back. I put my arm on his shoulder and told him my name, talked to him a minute, and I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes, I'm a Christian. I talked with him. We talked a few minutes, and then I had prayer with him and left. And I said, when I got in the car, I said, Lord, it's a strange thing that you asked me to do that. This man was a Christian. I don't understand why you did that, but it's all right. I drove on to my appointment. Later that afternoon, I was out visiting. And I was driving down a certain street, and I passed a house sitting up on a hill, and the Lord said, you ought to go in that house. Now, I'd never been in that house. I didn't know who lived there. I had no idea who lived there. So I turned my car around, drove up in the driveway, went and knocked on the door. And a teenage girl came to the door. Oh, she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes. So we've been expecting you. I went in. She called her daddy. And when her daddy saw me, he started weeping. And he said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, yes. He said, I want you to tell me how to be saved. He said, I feel so guilty and I have sin in my life. And he said, I prayed today that God would send somebody to me. Tell me how to be saved. We got down on our knees and I showed him from the Bible how to be saved, and we got through. He had a wonderful conversion experience. We got up from there. I said, incidentally, my name is Richard Oldham. How did, why were you expecting me? And that's when he told me. He said, I, I prayed early this morning that God would send somebody to me to tell me how to be saved. Now, what am I telling you? I'm saying if I had not obeyed the Holy Spirit at the hospital and gone back and done what seemed to be a useless thing, I probably wouldn't have obeyed him later on that day and I wouldn't have been there available for God to use when that guy really needed Jesus. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God sent a spirit of revival, sent a spirit of prayer. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. And when we pray, 
There has to be vision. It will involve clean living and will involve implicit obedience to the Holy Spirit. And John 16 says, And when He, the Holy Spirit, has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because ye believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Listen, the Holy Spirit knows what the needs of people are. The Holy Spirit knows where the lost people are. The Holy Spirit knows where the people are that are right on the brink of going down for the third time. The Holy Spirit knows all that. Are we available to Him? Are we available to Him? God raise up from this group here tonight prayer warriors who will say, I'm available, I'm available. I've told you the story before, but it's a story that always makes an impression on my heart, and I want to share it again tonight. Years ago, in New England, there was a little girl named Mary. She was 12 years old, and Mary got very, very sick suddenly and died. There was a visiting preacher in town, and for some reason, Mary's mother asked that visiting preacher to have the funeral for Mary. The visiting preacher first went to Mary's Sunday school teacher. He said, you know Mary died. They've asked me to have the funeral. And I just want to ask you, was Mary a Christian? That Sunday school teacher choked back the tears and she said, oh, I don't know. Three weeks ago, Mary was in my Sunday school class. And somehow I felt I ought to speak to Mary about her soul. But she's there every Sunday. And I, I just really didn't have the time. And the bell rang and every, all the kids were there. And I, I, just, I just didn't speak to her. Preacher, I don't know whether she was a Christian or not. And next, that preacher went to Mary's pastor, the pastor of the church, and said, tell me, sir, was Mary a Christian? The pastor with deep, deep concern, said, Sir, I don't know whether Mary was a Christian or not. Two weeks ago, she was in our service. And when the service was over, the people began to go out, and Mary came back. And something inside of my heart told me I ought to speak to Mary about her soul. But then I thought, Mary's here every Sunday, and I'll, I'll talk to her another time, some more convenient time. That's the last time I saw Mary. I don't know whether she was a Christian or not. And next, the preacher went to Mary's mother. And he said, I don't want to add hurt to your already hurt. But he said, tell me, before the funeral, I'd like to know, was Mary a Christian? And that mother said, sir, last week Mary was playing around our house. And there just came over me the impression that I ought to talk to Mary about her soul. But I, I went to get my Bible, and I... I got interrupted, and somebody rang the doorbell, and oh, I just never did get back to it. Preacher, and she wept. I don't know whether Mary was a Christian or not. The Holy Spirit knew Mary's time was limited. He was trying to get to Mary through three pair of lips. None of those lips was available. They were all too busy with something else. I want to ask you tonight, who of us would say, Lord, I want to be a prayer partner. And if you'll, if you'll give me the, the spirit inside, I'll give you my life. I want to commit myself to being a prayer partner. And in these next weeks, 
I just want to tell you, Lord, I'm going to arrange to meet somebody every day and pray for revival. I'm going to meet somebody every day and pray for power, the power of God. I'm going to meet somebody and pray for Jack Hazelwood revival. I'm going to meet somebody and pray for Miracle Day. I'm going to pray, saturate this place in prayer. Lord, you can count on me. Now, you may not be able to come to the church. Ideally, it would be wise to get with the person you want to pray with, maybe a husband and wife together, maybe two friends together. But you're going to pray with somebody every day for revival. If you can't get together, you can do it over the telephone. And don't let it turn into a gossip session. Just pray. Pray. How many of you would say, Lord, you can count on me? Let's close our eyes in prayer, please. I'd like to ask the musicians to find that song, Power with Men and Power with God. Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. And those who would commit themselves tonight to say, Lord, you can count on me, I'll be a prayer partner. I'll be a prayer partner. I'd like to ask you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, to just get up and come and kneel here at the altar and say, Lord, you can count on me. I want to be a prayer partner with all that that means. You can just come now. Please don't come. Nobody's going to look. Don't come unless the Holy Spirit's put that on your heart. You're willing to say, I'll be a prayer partner with somebody. And I'll pray every day for revival. Remember, prayer involves a vision. Seeing the need, being specific, calling people's names in prayer. Prayer involves clean living. It means some off-limits in our lives. And prayer involves utter complete obedience to the Holy Spirit. Whatever he says to us, we'll do it.
with our heads still bowed and eyes closed. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, listen to these words. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray. This is my heart cry day unto day. I long to know thy will and thy way. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray. Power in prayer, Lord. Power in prayer. Here mid earth's sin and sorrow and care, Men lost and dying, souls in despair. Oh, give me power, power in prayer. My weakened will, Lord, thou canst renew. My sinful nature thou canst subdue. Fill me just now with power anew, power to pray and power to do. Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. Thou art my pattern day unto day. Thou art my surety now and for aye. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray. Living in Thee, Lord, and Thou in me, constant abiding, this is my plea. Grant me Thy power, boundless and free. Power with men. Power with Thee. Whatever it takes to get our heart in tune with God tonight. Whatever it takes to get our heart surrendered to the will of God. Would you right now just do that? Talk to Jesus from your heart right now. Ask God to make us prayer warriors. Prayer partners. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for these dear, precious people who have come to kneel to say, Lord, make me a prayer warrior. Make me a prayer partner. Oh God, we ask for vision. We ask for clean living. We ask for liberty to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Holy Spirit of God, work a miracle among us in the saving of the lost, in the empowering of the saved, in the expansion of thy church and thy work, in a spirit of love. Lord, do a work. May lost sinners be saved. May some hard people come to Jesus. And may some tender, precious little ones come to Jesus. May some teens and university students come to the Lord. God, move, move among us. Touch young married people, young adults, older adults, 
some who are at the sunset time of life. Lord, baptize us tonight with a sense of urgency. And may we recognize that it's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder how many of us here tonight could say, Lord, Lord, you can have your way with me. Just tell him that, will you? Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Make us prayer warriors, prayer partners. In Jesus' name. Now, would you keep your minds on the Lord? Keep your eyes closed a moment, please. Those of you who came, it's between you and God. I'd like to ask you to keep faithfully this tryst be the prayer warrior God wants you to be. Ask God's Spirit to help you with the schedule about it. You and God know about your schedule. Ask the Lord to help you about that. With our eyes closed and heads bowed, I wonder how many in this auditorium tonight can say I'm saved and I'm glad Jesus is in my heart. I'm already a Christian and I'm just thankful that Christ is my Savior. If you know that's true, would you lift your hand real high? Amen. Hands down. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight who would say, Richard, I'm not saved. I've never, be I've never been saved. I'd like to become a Christian, but I'm not saved. Pray for me. I need the Lord. Would you slip your hand up and hold it a minute and then take it down? Is there somebody, anyone, anywhere? I'd like to be a Christian. Pray for me. If you've never been saved, you'd like to be, just slip your hand up and hold it a minute. God bless you. Anyone else? We wait just a moment. 
I'm going to ask you to hard, do a hard thing. While our heads are still bowed and eyes closed, if you'd like to be saved, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, but you really mean business, you'd like to give your heart to Christ right now, stand up. If you mean business with God. God bless you. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this good spirit tonight. We pray that Jesus will guide and direct in everything we do. May thy spirit have complete sway in our lives. In Jesus' name. With our heads still bowed and eyes closed, those who are here at the front, would you prayerfully go back to where you came from? Go back to your seat. Nobody looking, just our eyes closed and heads bowed. Let's all stand, everyone standing. You've been gracious tonight in your attention. God bless you. I believe the best way to close this service tonight is for you to find somebody that you love, maybe several somebodies. Just go to them, say, you know, I love you in the Lord. I'm thankful for you. I just love you. And uh, I want you to pray for me. Maybe somebody that's been a lot to you, been spiritual blessing to you. Maybe your mother or your daddy. Maybe your Sunday school teacher. Maybe your husband or wife. Would you do that? Somebody that you love or somebody that's been a lot to you spiritually. Do it right now. I want us to sing uh, a song. <laughs> Let's sing... Uh, that song, Oh How I Love Jesus. Is that all right? Oh How I Love Jesus. And you just go to somebody that you love. Tell them you love them. I believe when the Lord fills us with his love, it's not hard for us to tell others. Would you do that? There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. Now just move out from where you are and find somebody that you love. Maybe the people right around you and across the audience, across the aisle. Let's do that for just a moment. Will you do that? You may say, preacher, you're, you're, you're sort of crazy tonight, aren't you? That's a little bit different from what we usually do. Well, that's all right. Do it anyway. It'll do us good. God bless you. Let's do it right now.